Okay, the parish is Vayigash. And the parish of Vayigash, as, as you know, it's about Yehuda. It's about Yehuda. And Yehuda, Yehuda was um, one of the children of uh, Yaakov Avinu. Now he was born in an inappropriate slot. Right? His mother had four sons. Reuben, Shimon, Levi, and Yehuda. And you remember how he got his name? He got his name? Because his mother gave thanksgiving. Right? Odeh. She said, I have to give thanksgiving because I had a fourth son. Because she understood that if you have four wives and you're going to have 12 sons, so 12 divided by 4 is 3. So each one of them, each one of the mothers sort of got three sons. The fourth son, and she didn't thank God for having an easy birth. And she didn't thank God for having a healthy child. She thanked God for having a fourth child, the extra one, so that you could either call that propitious or not. Either Yehuda was somehow different from the very beginning, or he really did not have much of a claim on things. Just to remind you, just to remind you, when Yosef was sold to Mitzrayim, when Yosef was sold to Yishmaelim, or the Midanim, whoever he was sold to, the brothers that had to do with that were which brothers? Ruvain and, and Yehuda. Right? So that somehow, Ruvain, we understand Ruvain's position, because he was the firstborn of the firstborn. He was the firstborn, but he was also not only the firstborn to his mother, but the firstborn to his father. And somehow Yehuda snuck into the story of, uh, of Yosef. Even though Yehuda did not have an obvious leadership role. And he was, Yehuda was the fourth son of the first wife, but the fourth son of Yaakov Avinu, uh, who obviously had... Uh, priority, Yosef. Because Yosef was the first son of the second wife. Now you could even make an argument that Yosef was somehow the first son of the first wife. That the fact that Yaakov Avido married Leah wasn't so terrible, but it, it, it didn't turn out to be so terrible, but it was not his desire. It wasn't what he was interested in. What he was interested in was marrying Rachel. So how do we, do we have now? We have Ruvain, Yehuda, and Yosef. Those are the three characters that we are interested in, but particularly we're interested in Yehuda. Now, the parasha starts with these psukim. If you look at the sheet, it says, Vayigashe love Yehuda, Yehuda is talking to Yosef. I mean, they haven't been formally introduced to each other, but Yehuda is talking to Yosef. Be Adonihi, it's a, it's a request. Be is like the word Bakasha. I ask you. Yudaber na'avdecha davar, 
באוזני אדוני, ראיך אבך בעבדיך, כי חמוך כי פרעה. So this is of course a case where the, the, the Pasuk has pieces that don't connect to each other really. Like when you read it, you have to, you have to think. Look, look at the Pasuk. It says, Be Adoni, Adoni, I want to speak to my master, that's Yosef. I want to put something in his ear. Okay, we can deal with that. That's a little odd. You know, when you talk to the king who holds life and death in his hands, I'm not sure you'd say to him, don't get angry. You would say, you try to uh, economize on the words that might make him angry. Like you don't, shouldn't say anything too stupid, but you can say to the king, and then, what does that have to do with anything? It's no doubt that as far as, he, as, as Yehuda is concerned, Yosef is the all-powerful king. What is So look at Rashi. You see Rashi? means you're not the king. In other words, we say kikamocha kiparo. Well, you're not the king, are you? You're the. Uh, Viceroy. I got somebody sent me an email today and said there were no in Egypt there was no such thing as the second to the king. There was only the king's assistant. Like that's a viceroy. I don't know what the word viceroy means, but it's like not king. You know, and I don't know how it went in Egypt exactly, but this person who sent me the email fancies himself to be an expert on ancient Egypt. So Rashi says, that's the pshat. That, Yosef, that Yehuda said to, to Yosef, look, we really know that you're not the king. But I'll say that you're the king, you know, in order to be polite. Rashi says. But of course Rashi is difficult with, the, with that kind of pshat. Why should... Why should the Torah record Yehuda telling, saying something about Yosef that's a lie? Well, that's not really true. And what's the point of it to us? That we should also go around and uh, be that way? Tell people that they're better than they really are in order to find favor in their eyes? It's not much of a lesson. I mean, sometimes it has practical value, but it's not much of a lesson. So what does Rashi say in Medrash show? So Yehuda is saying something else. You better watch your step. Yehuda says to Yosef, who is the second in command in Egypt, he says, you better watch your step. He says, he says, you know, remember your, remember Paro? 
the great-granddaddy of Paro, how he fooled around with my great-grandmother, with my great-grandmother, and, and, and he ended up as a leper as a result. You better watch out because you'd end up the same, the same way. Davar Acher, that's Medrashot. Right? Then there's Davar Acher. Ma paro gozer veinon kayen, maftiach veinon oseh, avatakeh. We all know that Paro instructs us, demands from us, gives commands, and doesn't, may, doesn't keep them. Avatakeh. If he's he simat ayin shamata lasum eincha alav. He says, well, who's, who's in jail now? The beginning of a yigach. Somebody's in jail. <laughs> First Shimon was in jail. And now Binyamin is in jail. Like simat ayin shamata lasum eincha alav. Who said lasum eincha alav on me? Yosef, the vizier, and Binyamin. The Vayacher, Tikamohu Shaparo, Impatnikaini, Erogotha. If you annoy me, Tikamohu Shaparo, I will kill you and Paro. So, like, you know, Rashi, Rashi read the Chumash for us. And after he read the Chumash, he told us what it meant. And from that time on, from that time on, even from before, because Rashi also had teachers who probably told him of many of the things he writes down. But there's no doubt that Rashi comes out against the Pshat. Against the Pshat. And gives three alternative explanations which is not common. But he comes out against the pshat. What is a pshat? The pshat is kika mocha keparo chashuva tabe ene It's as though Yehuda is fawning to Yosef. There's no Yosef, but he's 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 giving him. He's trying to do a job on him. Kika mocha keparo. Rashi says. Rashi says that's not what's happening. And he gives three different interpretations. Each of, each of those interpretations says exactly the same thing. Says exactly the same thing as an introduction to the story that we are about to learn. And it says that Yehuda came to Yosef from the standing point of Malchus. Yehuda was the mother. And Yehuda said to Yosef, if you don't pay attention, if you don't do what I say, if you don't act the way you should act, then you will be punished, you will be killed, and your kind of leader, uh, uh, Paro, will serve the same fate. So you have to admit that if there could be a shot that was further from the obvious, this is the pshat of Rashi. If there was a pshat that you could sit around and talk with each other, we could sit here and talk about these psukim, the pshat that we've never come to is the simple pshat of Rashi, which is that Yehuda was the king. And this talk that he gives to Pharaoh and to Yosef 
is in explanation of the fact that he, Yehuda, is the king. Let's look at the Pesukim, at least some of them. Pesukim, Adonai she'al et avadav le'mor hayesh lachem av o'ach. So in a way, he is, he Yehuda, he wants to plead for the, for his brother. He wants to plead for his brother. So we don't, didn't understand exactly how all of this happened the first time around. But what is the point of Yehuda saying this to Para? Now look at, at Yehuda further. Or we do a lie, Vasima Aini Alav. Vasima Aini Alav. What is Vasima Aini Alav? Rashi's already explained it. Rashi's already explained it. You see the third interpretation of Rashi? The, the Chizohi Simat Ayin. You see, uh, I don't, the, the Rashi is not numbered, but in, in this Kicha Mochik Perak, oh, the last three lines. Vechizo hi simat ayin she'amad alasu v'encha'alav. Is this the promise that we receive? That you would sit, put your eye on him? Is this how you put your eye on him? By locking him up and, and keeping him there? So that's the simat ayin. That's in Pasuk Kaf Aleph. That's the quote that Yehuda has for Yosef. Yosef never said that, but, he, but that's the quote. The Nomar el Adoni lo yuchal hanar lazovet aviv lazavet aviv And we told you that you can't do that. But Tomer lavadecha in lo yeredachichem akatonitchem lo kusivim rot panai. So, so the argument that what Yehuda is saying is, we told you so, and we said it. It was clear. And it's like we take the Rashi. It's like Yehuda is saying, look, you know, I'm sorry, Mr. whatever your name is. You are going to get that. That's what, that's what uh, uh, Yehuda says to Yosef. And then he says, and we warned you that this is a precarious thing to do. This is problematic. We have Yaakov. We have, we have Yosef. You can't, just, you can't just do whatever you want. I'm, I'm, I'm translating the words or I'm, I'm rewriting the words but I don't think in such a such a radically uh, 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 poor manner this is what Yehuda is saying he says Pasuk Kavdao Deki Alinu El Abdecha Aviv and Aged Lo Ed Divrei Adonai Vayomer Avinu Shivu Shibu Lano Ma'at Ochel Vanomer Lo Nukhal Eredit and Yeh Shachidu Akatod Vat that in some world in which Yaakov lived he only had one wife. And that one wife had two sons. And it's true that he had other wives. But in some world that Yaakov lived in, 
He only had one one wife, and Shnaim yelled out al li ishti pasuk kafchet vayitzei achad me iti v'olma achtarof daraf v'lo reitiv ad heina. Again, vayitzei achad me iti v'olma achtarof daraf. This is true. Who said tarof daraf? Who said tarof daraf? Yaakov said tarof daraf. Who didn't say tarof daraf? Huh? The brothers who brought the coat of many colors, what did they say? Is this the coat? It, what? Yeah. Do you recognize this coat? Who said Tarot Tarab? Yaakov said Tarot Tarab. So this is again, again that Yaakov jumped to a conclusion, a possible conclusion, but not a necessary one. The Lori Tivat Haina, I haven't seen him as yet. Why did Judah say this? The Lori Tivat Haina. It's almost as you could, as though you can smell the fact that Yehuda knows what is going on. And if Yosef is not prepared to admit it, Yehuda is prepared to say, I know this. This is what Yaakov says. This is totally irrelevant. Why would this have any effect on Yosef? Why would Yosef, who is hiding behind the mask of an Egyptian prince, speaking a foreign language, why would the fact that Yehuda's father is unhappy or that he would suffer tremendously if his son would disappear or would, uh, would be harmed. Why would it be? Why would it be that Yosef would be affected by such an argument? The only way that this makes sense is if for some reason Yehuda thought that he was talking to Yosef. I mean, Yehuda knew that Yosef could not be revealed until Yosef wanted to be revealed. But he, Yehuda, and he, Yosef, were both being apprised of the fact that they understood. Each of them understood what was going on. Yosef knew that it was his family, and Yehuda, apparently, also knew that it was his family. Pasuglamed. Also an, order, an argument that doesn't make any sense. What is this? Some kind of telenovela? You know, uh, I don't know, you know, those, those programs that are on television in the afternoons when you become part of the old age home. And, you know, everybody is falling in love and out of love and, and uh, uh, seriously uh, in love and not so seriously in love. Like, what is this? What does Yehuda do? What's a lawyer is Yehuda for his brother? How is he going to get him out of Jesus? That show? That show? Shurabi, that show? Vahayah, Pasuk Lamed Aleph. Vahayah, Kira, Otoke, Renav, Amei, 
תורידו עבדיך את שיבת עבדך, והנו ביבון שאולה. So Yaakov is going to be terribly distressed and he's going to go to the Sha'ol, to the Sha'ol, whatever the Sha'ol is. Usually, what? Yeah, okay. This is based on a, this is based on a shot of the Grah in Mishlei. Which is well known. Everybody, uh, this shot that the rov that the rov gave, it's in the grow initially, but I'm not doing that. I know you're different, right? Because we'll leave that to next year. So, Vaishwai was. What do you mean he was? Who didn't know? I don't know. Maybe it's known to some people, but when he became a when he became a big shot, I'm not sure who thought of it in those terms. Like if Haman Haman was an Agagi, like from the tribe of Amalek, he wasn't a Persian. But I'm not sure that the people in Persia who saw Haman thought about that. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay but it doesn't mean that he knew that it was his father. Well, what is the argument that it's his father? Pasuk Lamedet. Ki avdecha, listen to this one. Ki avdecha arev etana ha-neim azilemor. Ki avdecha, that's Yehuda. Arev. Know what arev is? An arev is a, what? Yeah, a guarantor. That means like, if you don't get your money back, I'll pay the debt. I'll pay the debt. Where is that? What star that everybody knows has an array in it? That everybody knows and everybody uses that comes across everybody in life? Which? <laughs> no, a star. A star means a, a, uh, a Jewish legal document. It's called Tna'im. Tna'im, the star called the Tna'im, even though it doesn't do anything, is the most complicated star you probably will ever see because it has it has creditors and debtors, that it has Aravin, 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 that it has witnesses. So it's got the whole, it's the most complete star that comes up in our, our world, like a Ketubah, which is a real star and implies a real death only has witnesses, but doesn't have Arevin in it. So there you have it. Now, so he says, I, I guaranteed it. I can't see. If Yosef is an Egyptian, and if he practices some sort of Egyptian religion, I mean, at least in theory, not that he did, I'm saying, but if you meet up with this guy in a hall and he's dressed in that outfit, so you assume he's an Egyptian. And so what do you say to him? You say, listen, I have, a, I have an agreement with my father that I'm responsible for this young man. I mean, so what? I mean, whatever the reason Yosef locked him up was, what kind of, what could this argument possibly, possibly do? The last two psukim, Bata, 
יושב לעבדך תחת הנער, עבד לאדוני, והנער יעל עם עם אחד. So we'll have a... כי איך אלה לאביו הנער איננו איתי, כן אראה ברא אשר ימצא את אביו. So that the whole argument, the whole discussion seems odd. Seems odd that, uh, that uh, really Yehuda is appealing to, uh, to righteousness, to the righteousness of, uh, of uh, Yosef. And Rashi introduces this appeal of righteousness by saying that Yehuda was really the powerful personality here. He was the powerful character. Now let's look at the Rambam. Let's look at the Rambam. The Ramban is straightforward here. Lo yadati tam l'arichut divrei Yehuda. B'sipur mashu vasha hayakfa b'nehem. He says, I can't understand why Yehuda's story is told of what Yehuda said to Yosef when he reviewed all of the things that happened to them. Okay, you can do it, but why would the Torah why would the Torah relate, report, tell us all of these things? Right? It's called the Sivadai. That's what it that's what it says in the Medrash. I think I lost one volume of my Medrash here. Two weeks ago. Zoe Simadain Shamala Sum Ainha Alat. איןתהנה. הגביה אשר ישתבו, ומאתי תוכל לבד בסטינבה, בסטילינג אוף הגבלט, ומתחילה כבר שם אינו עליו לטובה, וקרא לו שלום בדבר אלוקים, אלוקים יכונך בני. That's what he said, he יוסף. ועסקתי לכולם לכבודו משתה לפניו בבית המלכות, and he honored him by making a party for him. And he gave them many presents. And he gave them a lot of food to take back to Canaan. As much as they could carry. What he gave them, he also gave the brothers worth a lot more than what they gave to him, the money that they paid. That's what I have. I explained this already. So he says, he can't understand. How could Yehuda have a ta'ana against Yosef? Yehuda treated Yosef, the brothers very, uh, Yosef treated the brothers very well. He gave them more than they bargained for, more than they asked for. He said, set them up with a party. He, he gave them food to eat and drink. He says, Adir hapshat. So this, that was the question. The question is, this whole thing doesn't fit into anything. He said, "Abayu Rabchat, Sheinam Raktachanunim Lahair Rachama." It's not that. It's not that against the uh, this other pshat of the grove. It's not that 
Yehuda has a ta'ana against Joseph. But he's telling him, how much he suffered, how much his father suffered, how much he's hoping that it will serve Ha'ir to bring out his, his mercy. Because he thought that maybe he has fear of God. Okay. So you have two uh, approaches. The approach of Rashi, which says that Yehuda was powerful, princely, a king, and placing himself before, placing himself before Yaakov, before Yosef, and saying, there are things you can't do, Yosef. There are things that can't happen, Yosef. Or the opinion of the Rambam that paints Yehuda in a different, a different light. Yehuda knew that Yosef was the king, but he could beg for mercy. And to beg for mercy, he explained his father, his brother, uh, the agreement that he had. With all of this, an attempt to, uh, to get mercy from Yosef, but certainly not in attempt, an attempt to put him down. So you have these two attitudes that are in the primary reforshim on the Chumash. And I want to show you, let's look at, turn the page. Let's turn the page. Okay, hard of me, turn the page. Let's look at the Balaturim. The Balaturim, you remember, is a commentary on the Masoda. It's a commentary on the Masoda. The Balaturim is Rabbi Yaakov, the son of the Rosh, Balaturim. Rabbi Yaakov wrote the tour. Right, the tour is the laws of the Torah divided into four sections: Orachim, Yeridea, Eben Ezer, and Choshen Mishpat. Those are the four sections that that division that was made by Yaakov Balaturin has primarily been kept throughout the ages because the Shulchan Aruch that was written by Rabbi Yosef Karabosa issues kept the same division and the same paragraph numbers as the tour. Right? And, that, and since many commentaries were written on the Shulchan Aruch, uh, it sort of became the dominant way of noting halachic information. Even though it's true that in modern books, about more modern books on halacha, I mean, they change the numbering. I give you like Hilchot Shabbat. You look at Neuvitz or Shmir HaShavit Gilgitzel, so he has his own numbering. So it doesn't follow the Shulchan Aruch. But other, other books written on the Shulchan Aruch follow the same, not like the Shulchan Aruch Arab, like the, uh, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, you know, he sort of follows the same numbering system. As the Shulah. So the Balaturim wrote a parish on the Chumash. But he didn't write a parish on the Chumash, he wrote a parish on the Masorah. What's the Masorah? The Masorah is a collection of comments, uh, usually having to do with words and numbers. Uh, like, for example, the, the Masorah would comment and say, this word in this form and this way appears two times in the Tanakh. Uh, people who were into this could tell you where the two times were. Or the, uh, the, they would say that this pronunciation, this kind of vocalization, these ta'amim, and they appear on this word 
only once in the entire Torah. That's they said things like that. The, the tour turned that into a basis for a commentary. He said, well, if the word appears only twice in the Tanakh, there must be some connection, some idea, connection between the word as it appears here and the word that appears there. In the Gemara, they call that a kind of Gzeirashava. But usually in the Gemara, we learn Gzeirashava. We mean something that came down from Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu made Gzeirashava. But here, the Balaturim, he invents these kind of Gzeirashava. I mean, it's in the Mesorah. So he feels that he can add uh, comments. And look at, look at the comments he makes on our Apostles. By Gashi Lav Yehuda. By Gashi Lav Yehuda, the Gematria, right, what's a Gematria? Is the numerical value of each word, of each letter. Now, I won't do the whole thing, but by Yigash, if father six, the good is ten, and Gimel is three, and Shin is three hundred. So you add that together and you get the numerical value of if you take the numerical value of the Gashi Rav Yehuda in the Gematria Zeu, Lilachem in Yosef. What do you say? Don't count it now. Don't count it. You count it some other time. But in other words, here is, here is, a, here is the Balaturim, and the Balaturim says, Vahi Gashi Rav Yehuda. So there's nothing wrong with that. Because you don't go up to a king. The way it works, for those of you who have never dealt with kings, is that the king calls you. You don't go to the king. Remember Esther Amalka? She went and she was, she, she was all nervous about that. Right? But in any event, that situation was different than Yehuda's situation. You don't go to a king. You wait till the king comes to you. So the Balatun says, Lehilachem in Yosef. He went to do battle with Yosef. Which sounds to me like it means that Yehuda knew it was Yosef and he went to do battle. In other words, this was a continuation of the idea of Rashi. Lilachem im Yosef. Ubigamatria gam nichnas upiso. Ubigamatria, another gematria, gam nichnas upiso. He went in and he got things under control. He took charge of I mean, it verbally. He took charge with it. He took charge. He went in for these, for three things. What the three things are, we don't know. He's going to explain it now. You see the second comment of the Balaturim? Savachtaf. What's Savachtaf? Savachtaf Sovtevot. Sovtevot. That was another trick. If you look at the words, and then you put together the last letter of each word, sometimes it also, it also means something. So you can self-pay both shavet. Is that right? By gash. I love you. That's how to pronounce the hey. The shin vav hey. That's what you get, self-pay both. So you can self-pay both shavet. Ani shavet lecha. Wow. The Balaturim. I mean, the Balaturim you know, had a few hundred years to learn Rashi. And he did. And he thought about it. And this is what came out. And I'm not saying that the method is a method that we can emulate, but if the ideas are not there in the Balaturim's head, they wouldn't come out. You can't just make up a gematria. You can't say, ah, oh, it's only a gematria. No, it's not only a gematria. That's not the way it works. 
It's what the Baalaturin had in his head. This was the Baalaturin, the Kalatar Kula. It is because it's Mittelmach. You saying this? You saying this in honor of Mittelmach? I don't know. Anything. I don't think about cultural history. I don't. I'm not saying that there is no cultural history. I just say I don't, I'm not dealing with that. Yeah, but you're in the wrong passion now. Mr. Rabbi Fogelman, you're in the wrong passion. Self-tabot shabesh, amalo ani lecha. The second time that the, that the Balatura makes this point, right? He says, he says, Yehuda went to fight with Yosef. One. Second, he said, I'm as good as you are. Shikimo sha'atam melech, gam ani melech. This is what it means. Lachim no'adu. The kings met each other. Where the kings beat each other? There's only one king at a time. Where they meet? No. Yehuda met up with uh, Yehuda met up with uh, Yosef. So, let me just remind you. I mean, clearly, according to Rashi, and according to the Balaturim, the uh, uh, Yehuda recognizes his Malchus, and he also recognizes the fact, also recognizes the fact that his Malchus is stronger than, better than, superior to, dominant, dominates the Malchus of Yosef. And that the Malchus of Yosef is temporary. In other ways, he's telling us now what the mistake that the brothers made was. And that mistake might have been caused by Yaakov Avidu's attempt to quiet the distress between the brothers. Because when Yosef came and said, look, I had a dream. Everybody's bowing down to me. That's everything to do with that dream. That dream meant, you know, like dreams. What did Yosef do? Pay a good shot, even though it's my shot. What did Yosef do when he interpreted the dreams of Paro? How did Paro know that Yosef was right? How did Paro know? He can ask the question a different way. Seven lean, mean-looking cows. Eat up seven fat, happy-looking cows. And after that, there's seven lean, mean, ugly-looking cows look exactly the same. And you do not have to be a rocket scientist to say to Paro, this is bad. Bad is eating up good. Why seven? Eh, you make up something. Seven months, seven years, seven weeks. I mean, what was it that distressed Paro about the interpretation that the dream guys did, you know, ancient Egypt, very big on dream interpretation. This is my general knowledge. I mean, if you want to know about this, you can look in Wikipedia or something. But I remember this from the time, from the days that I went to school, which I barely remember. But I know that I went to school. 
they, 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 they did like dreams. They did dreams. That's what they did. That was one of the like the main stage. You, you, you know, you went to a to an Egyptian Rebbe, and you said, Rebbe, I had a dream, and he had books. They had dream books. He had a book. So I got that dream right here, and they told him exactly what it was. That Yosef found favor in the eyes of Pharaoh. Not because he interpreted the dream. Anybody could interpret the dream. Yosef told him what to do about it. That was Yosef's advantage. Yosef told Paro, yeah, it's a dream. But you can beat it. We can beat the dream. The dream is true. But we can beat the dream. That's really what everybody wants to hear, isn't it? Everybody wants to hear the dream is terrible, but... You do this, you do that, you do the other thing, you'll beat the dream. That's what makes a great dream interpreter. So when Yaakov, when Yosef came to Yaakov and told him the, the dreams, that they, all the brothers were there, everybody knew, everybody knew what he meant. The question was, how do you beat the dream? That was the question that the brothers had. And Yaakov would even try to discourage them by claiming that the dream was of no great importance. Abonavo, leaving, I'm going to come with your mother and your brothers and we'll all bow down to you. And of course, Rachel had already, already died. So Yaakov's interpretation of the dream on the first level was the dream is just not, not right. But the brothers knew that the dream was right. So they decided that they would kill Yosef. Why did they want to kill Yosef? Because they knew that if Yosef was dead, the dream could not be. I mean, that was their way of dealing with it. Along came Reuven. Remember, who was Reuven? Reuven was the oldest son of the older wife. The oldest son, that means he was Yaakov's before. So Reuven came along, I mean, it's on the sheet. It's all here on the sheet. Reuven came along, and what did Reuven say to the brothers? Don't spill his blood. But don't kill him. What should we do? What? Yeah, but what, how are we going to get rid of him according to Reuven? What? Throw him in too? Into the pit. Throw into the pit. And what does the Gemara say about the pit? And that's the Gemara in Shabbos. Tanchum says two things. Tanchum says that you shouldn't put the Hanukkah menorah higher than 20 Amor. That's the first thing he said. And the second thing he says is that means so what does that mean? What do you mean? Reuven. He's trying to save Yosef, right? Apparently not. Because if you have a bull, and you want to know if there's water in the bull that would drown whoever you throw into it, well, what can you do? You throw in a rock. 
and you wait to hear where the where the splash is. Or you can throw in something else, a rope, and find out how deep the water is. But if you don't see the bottom, what can't you do? Can't tell if there are snakes and scorpions. Because if you throw that around, it's very unlikely that the snakes are going to start screaming. But they don't do that. Scorpions, I am a witness, they also do not scream too loud. So the way Chazal understood it, what was it that Ruvain the Bechor told his brothers, or his hated brothers, you're willing to kill him with your own hands. Say, no, let him die. It was like he was already a Talmud Chochem. He said, it's a good word, but discusses what's the difference of killing somebody with your own hand and letting him die. Because if you let him die, you didn't do it. That was Reuven. And Reuven, at that moment, since he was, he got all the brothers together in order to uh, uh, do away with the dream with Yosef, he lost the right of the Chorah. Because the Chorah doesn't only have privileges, he also has obligations. It's true that the Bechor is singled out and he gets special treatment, but it's also true that the Bechor has responsibility for the rest of the family. And since Reuven rejected that responsibility, when did he reject it? When they threw Yosef the Bechor. Because Reuven said, well, let him die, but you don't have to kill him. I don't have to have that problem that goes back to your father. Along came Yehuda. What did Yehuda say? Mahabetza. He said, what is Mahabetza? We're not going to make any money. Yehuda is certainly worthy of being the leader of the Jewish people. He didn't argue. He didn't argue that this is immoral, unethical, or halachically unacceptable. He produced an argument that people would listen to immediately. And what was that argument? There's no money in it for us. No money in it for us. Why are we doing it? Can we get some money out of this? Yes. And at that time, Yehuda became the leader. And so, both Rashi and the Balaturim insist that when Yehuda, when Yehuda went to Yosef, when Yehuda went to Yosef, Yehuda was saying to Yosef, Yehuda was saying to Yosef, I Unlike my brother Reuven, I made history happen. Because there were two opinions. One opinion was that the dream has to be stopped. That we can't allow Yosef to become the king. But I, Yehuda, understood that the kingship of of Yosef was a secondary type of kingship. It would only work in Egypt. It would only work to save the Jewish families. It would only work to bring us to the tribe. But it would not be the kingship that the brothers were thinking of. That kingship was earned by Yehuda when he said, Mabetza, let's get him out of the well or out of this place where we threw him and let's bring him quickly. Let's bring him quickly to where, to where he should be. So, 
So we have the uh, first in, in, inklings of this idea that Malchus, that the kingship in Israel has to be deserved. It's not enough to inherit Malchus. That was the problem that the Jews had all the years. But as the Ramban says in the parish of Vayichi, very clearly, that Shaul, if he had kingly qualities, would have actually remained the king of Israel, in spite of the fact that Yaakov said that Yehuda would become the king of Israel. And the Ramban said, okay, so, so there'll be two kings in Israel, which is what happened later on. Right, there was a king in Yisrael, right, that's the northern kingdom, and a king in Yehuda. Right? And there were two kings, so, uh, okay, it didn't work out. Ultimately, the whole business didn't work out. But the fact that there were two kings was not contrary to the, the promise that Yaakov Avinu gave to Yehuda. In fact, uh, the king of Yisrael, right over there, Shlomo HaMelech had a son whose name was Rechavah who became the king in Yehuda, the son of Yerushalayim in the south, after Shlomo Amalek died. But in the northern kingdom, there was another king, whose name was Yeravan ben Nevat, who was singled out by the Mishnah as being the worst of all people. But who appointed Yeravan ben Nevat, king of the northern kingdom? Who appointed him? Not a trick question. Achia Ashiloni. And Achia Ashiloni was a dash prophet. Prophet means that he acted in accordance with God's will. He was an agent. So that, that at that time, at the time of the appointment, there was a king in the north of Israel, there was a king in the south of Israel. And that was certainly approved by heaven that there would be two kings. But Yehuda came and said, that's not our situation. That's not our situation. There's one king in Israel, and his name is Yehuda, because he pushed forth the Jewish history. Right? Yaakov Avinu Bikesh Lashevet B'Shalva, he wanted like to retire. He wanted to just relax, sit on his back porch, drink uh, Diet Coke, have a little, have a cookie for now to time. Time to time. And so the Torah says, hmm, you think you're going to relax? It's going to be worse than ever. Right? So Yaakov didn't want to push forth Jewish history. So who did push forth Jewish history? Who made it happen? Yehuda. Because Yehuda said, Mabetza. So he said, so Yehuda said to Yosef, listen, listen Yosef, I'm the one who did it. You just let it happen. I'm the one who has the quality of kingship. And I am saying to you, not to get mixed up in thinking that you, Yosef, are somehow in charge of the future. You are in charge of the present, but not in charge of the future. And the future belongs to the tribes, to the family, to the togetherness. That was the way Yehuda understood it. And that's what has to be. So we see that Rashi said it, Rashi said it first, that, that Yehuda had strength and power when he stood before Yosef. And then the Balaturim says it. 
the Baal to himself was, Yehuda was ready to fight with Yosef. He was not at all impressed by the fact that Yosef was a princely personality. Okay, have a good chance. There's a minion for men for Marv. Yeah? I just want to see if they put my book here someplace. I lost my major here. I did not, but maybe somebody did. It's red. It's red and it's a, a book size. It's just like that. Have on the other side. Thank you very All much. All the best. Be well. Are you going to be here? I don't know. Oh, you know you? I fully miss you, Quick, I got to go. <laughs> be well. Oh, listen, call me up when we'll get together before you leave. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Tomorrow. Call me tomorrow. Not tonight. Okay. I'm going down to Shaver Brothers. Looks like really neat here. Maybe they brought it downstairs. I don't see it. This could be mine. I mean, but it isn't. It wasn't that small, was it? No. no. It's like the size of this. I'll look, in, I'll look around there a little bit. You gotta go. I gotta go to Shaver Brothers. Oh, I gotta do this. Let's forget this. <laughs>